Welcome to the Real Music Talk podcast. Music conversations with one big question. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Real Music Talk podcast. I'm your host, Keith Hall, and this is episode number six. We're going to continue our conversation today with audio engineer Josiah Gluck. And uh, Josiah mixes the music for Saturday Night Live, so he has lots of stories. Today he's going to talk about how the week flows on that show, how they set everything up during the week, and also about the time he got to work with Prince. So it's a really cool story. So thanks for joining us, and uh, let's just get right into the conversation with Josiah Gluck. I hate to even start to list all the people that you've you've mixed for and worked with on SNL, but if you could maybe think about maybe one highlight that you'd like to talk about, I'd really love to hear about that. I mean, there are a lot of people, and so I will say that you usually the people that you do meet are extremely nice. They're also a little nervous. They're on live TV, and I don't care if it's your first time or the tenth time you've been on the show. Yeah. Uh, and my little shtick, if someone comes in and they listen back and they'll say, hey, that sounds really good, man. I'll be like, look, that attitude of yours... Oh, oh, you liked it. You liked it. I'm sorry. Never mind. You liked it. It's okay. <laughs> because, you know, there's always that little conflict. Some TV shows are thrown together very quickly. We have the luxury of time. We have an amazing system in place with huge MNK surround system with two subs and Lavo consoles and plugins and it's just an amazing it's really a, a live recording studio is what it is and we spoil everybody there but I would have to say that the most amazing thing in recent memory would have been working with Prince oh. when he did this eight and a half minute medley and he he had been on the show bef once before, and I remember him coming in to listen to a playback Jay was mixing that night. And what struck me then, and it struck me the second time I met him, is that he had a very firm handshake. You would have thought that it would have been kind of, eh, but no. He's uh, all business, firm handshake, let's do what we got to do. So he and his... Uh, front of house guy. The gentleman's name was Demetrius. I remember that name because I guess you did need to be a gladiator to work for, <laughs> for Prince. Uh, but he had an all-woman band and the drummer was incredible. I mean, tall, striking and you had to remind yourself, yes, and she hits very hard. <laughs> right. But also he wanted the mix that I was putting out on the air to be the mix that was in the front of house and the mix on stage for monitors. Wow. So that was a bit of a head scratcher technically because if he said, oh, I need more kick drum, well, I can't push that up because that'll just make everyone's speakers blow up at home. So I had to not only devise a separate mix, but the trick is we mix in surround sound and so to create a stereo fold down on aux buses that I could then adjust and send in. I mean, it, it took some brain power 
and I'll probably, as a result, never play oboe again like I ever did. But, <laughs> you know, it's just all right, those cells are gone. But I remember when he came back, and he and I sat next to each other for about half an hour, and he was listening to some playback stuff. And he wanted the snare to be a little darker. It's like, okay, I can do that. I can do that. And he wanted a certain sort of doubling effect on the guitars. And he's asking this guy, where are the doublers we use? He's like, we don't have doublers on the guitars. Oh, yes, we do have doublers on the guitars. And I can see this guy, you know, sweating. And I'm trying to figure it out. And I know, well, on this thing here, on this aux send, I have, you know, a basic sort of vocal doubler, thicker, thickening kind of effect. And I just tossed that on. I said, how's that? He goes, yeah, that's good. We can use that. And he also had wanted me to start crunching some guitars on the preamps and whatnot, get it really distorted. I said, I can't because this is a digital console. It doesn't distort like that. Ah. You know, if you want revolution number nine, you're not going to get that from these preamps. Mm -hmm. He's like, okay. And then I asked him, look, uh, can you meet me halfway on the snare sound? Because I think we're getting a little dark and boxy. He had been listening a lot to a demo tape that they had done, or, or a rehearsal tape, off the monitor board. Hmm. And it was done, I guess, at a big room at Paisley Park. Okay. And it had kind of a dark sound, and it was sort of reverberant. So between the double things and the way the snare was sounding, he was very much in love with that. So once I heard what he liked, because like, someone played me the thing, I'm like, ah, okay. But I said, can we meet halfway on the snare? I think it's a little dark. He says, yeah, sure. And he's sitting to my right. And I turned to him and I said, you know, man, I think we're, we're good here. I said, I think we're going to singe all living matter in a quarter mile radius of this place tonight. <laughs> and he started laughing. And he said, yeah, that's good. I think that's what we're going to do. Yeah, I like that. And uh, you have to understand, standing behind me, besides my boss and the assistant, and then his phalanx of people and the phalanx of our talent office. And I just wanted to turn and we go like, I got this man to crack up. Can any of you do that? Yeah, right. Just, just checking. How, how, how's your day going? Because I got the man to laugh. <laughs> Meanwhile, the phone keeps ringing. And mind you, this is at like five thirty, six o'clock on a Saturday where we have done the music run through. Well, we just get an audio hour. It's not even dress rehearsal. It's just audio, making sure everyone's happy. Because we first dial it all in on Thursday, and then it just doesn't get touched until then. And the phone is ringing, and my boss is like, yeah, they're busy right now. And I can look up on the cons on the screen, and I see that it's the opening shot where you look at the clock. When we come down for the opening, they have to do the monologue. They have to rehearse the monologue, and it's done with the band playing and rolling the montage and timing the whole thing out. And they're just waiting for us, but we're using the same console. I'm on that guest band side, the house band. I got to switch over and do that. So I see that they're waiting, and clearly my boss is trying to hold people off because everyone's getting antsy in the control room. And I turned to him and I said, I'm sorry, man. Um, I got to do the other part of the gig here. I got to listen to shit. It's the, the house band. He goes, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. You go ahead. You got to listen to Lenny Pickett. Listen to Lenny Pickett. <laughs> so yeah, the whole interaction was, you know, made, it was about half an hour and, you know, just going through stuff. And it was very, uh, it was just really great because he's such this iconic figure 
but we were working there and he wasn't pulling any crap and there's also a vibe in that room which I really like which is if you're sitting in this room if you're coming through that door either in a technical or musical manner or fashion whatever capacity the understanding is you know what you're doing you wouldn't be there otherwise once in a while there are some total wankers and pillocks <laughs> and dweebs that but that's in any gig in any walk of life but it's I mean I have some I met some front of house guys buddies you know we keep in touch they're in town they come over for dinner they talk to the kids and whatnot so it's very much like an extended family mm. and and I often said that I have my twins to keep me young and my buddies at SNL to keep me immature <laughs> It's a very nice balance. It works out really well. Right. But yeah, I'd say Prince was great. Uh, hanging out and meeting all the guys from U2. Oh, wow. Yeah, they came in. I mean, typically, The Edge and Larry will come in for playbacks and want to tweak stuff. Okay. But the last time they were on, everybody came in. I'd never met Bono before. And at one point, Edge and I are just schmoozing a little bit about the... Uh, structure of the song that they were doing and I happened to point out that I really enjoyed one little arrangement thing and so forth and I know a lot of people are like uh, photos or it never happened but the thing is for the few days the both the host and the music are working on that show they're in a protective cocoon they have every opportunity to fall on their face or do whatever until 11.30 on a Saturday and hopefully by then you've gotten all the, the sillies and the willies out and you can do it. Yeah. Wow. So, so tell me briefly then, how does the week work then? When do you guys start? Well, on Wednesday, uh, our monitor mixer, fellow Kaz Costello, will get the, uh, by then he'll usually have the input list from the bands and what their various technical requirements are. And some bands are very small. Some bands have, as I say, you know, ambient water droplet left channel, ambient water droplet right channel, and it just becomes a nightmare. But, or it'll be the full tour, you know, global tour writer, and it's like, now all this stuff doesn't happen on. They just sent everything. Yeah. So he'll send me a list and say, do you want anything reordered? You know, how do you do it? And usually I'll do that based on how Jay and I like to put things together. And then on Thursday morning, we will start loading on the, st the stage. Stage hands will start loading gear. We'll start plugging things in at around 8 o'clock in the morning, 9 o'clock in the morning. I'll stagger in around 9.30, 9.45. And I'll write up the console and label things and get things preset with phantom power preset. Um, mic pre's, you know, if I have two things, that you know, a left and right thing, make sure preamp levels are even. You know, just basic common sense start of the day stuff and then we'll do a scratch and sniff as we like to say of getting mics together and then we start getting sounds now the interesting thing is when you and I've worked in the studio if I'm getting drum sounds I'll usually tell the drummer you know like the 20 to 25 minute solo they're not going to let you put on the record <laughs> well, I'll, lis I'll listen to it now thank you and just start playing Right. And if I need anything specific, I'll ask you to yeah, hit that a few times. But in a live situation where you also have to play nice with P 
PA and you have to play nice with monitors or in ears, that's where you get bing, bing, you know, kick, kick, yeah. snare, snare, and all of that stuff. And you dial in your sounds there, knowing full well you might get Tom sounds, and then it's like, oh yeah, they don't play Toms in this song. <laughs> but anyway, right. it all gets put together on Thursday. The other important thing is that that's a standing set. So that we know what that is. We know what the dimensions, parameters are. Now, some people may bring in screens and projectors and all sorts of laser stuff, which becomes a whole other thing. But if it's a band that has nothing added to it, we know what that is. The sketches haven't been picked until Wednesday night, the night before. And usually around 10.30 at night on Wednesday, once that's all been done and they've picked it, then I'll get an email from Leon Pendarvis, one of our music directors and managers, and Penn will send out uh, an email list that tells you what sketches require music and what will require my participation. That is, if there's live music in a sketch, if there's a live monologue, if a monologue has got a song in it and people are singing to that. Okay. Or they may send me something that I have to mix that goes to a video. That has nothing to do with the sketch, but it's one of the digital shorts. Right. And I'll typically deal with a lot of that on Friday. Years ago, I used to do all that stuff in studios. I would go to the studio with the band and record and come back and mix. Oh. Now, everything is done with samples and in Logic, and everything is just dumped on a server. I'm told to fetch, I bring it down, put it into Pro Tools, put it all together. And depending on what it is, I either do a stereo or a 5.1 mix, and then that gets shipped off to video. But anyway, getting back to Thursday, we will do... Uh, getting sounds together, getting sound check, and hopefully we're done by, let's say, 1 p.m. Take a break. The artist and some other people may come in, or I, on my own time, may say, look, I'm going to tweak this in a bit. Because even though we got the sounds together, it's like, woof, I'm getting a lot of leakage in this thing, or I really need to dig vocals out here a little better. And then from 2 to 3, they'll look at it twice each time on camera with the director calling the shots. And then we sort of put it away. Until Saturday at around 5, 5.30 when the band comes back. And we make sure that everyone's happy. Sometimes you'll have a band comes in and it's like, yeah, well, we're taking half this gear with us because we're doing a gig tonight here in town and we got to be in Providence on Friday night and then we're back on Saturday. Right. It's like, uh, and it's like, well, okay, what is your in time? They told you 4.30? Yeah, you're back here at 3. You tell just the tech, the roadies, the backline guys, you're in at 3. Okay. So we can make sure that everything is working. Right. No surprises. And I will tell you about Prince, by the way. Right before we went on the air with him, I hear on my PL, uh, don't open up his guitar when he comes. He's going to first come center stage after he started camera right and then walks over, picks up his guitar, and plugs it in. Well, he forgot to plug in his guitar live on the air. So I'm doing this, and it's like, where's his guitar? And then I hear someone yelling, he didn't plug in, he didn't plug in. Oh, no. So I quickly whip the fader down, because I don't want the sound of kapow. Yeah. You know, but he plugs in, going out over the air. So I watch him plug it in, and I listened, and I said, okay, I'm going to wait till it comes around to the one. Oh, yeah. And then I'll, and then I'll open it up. Because you see him noodle, and it was mere seconds. He's just like, noodles a bit, and then it comes on. Oh. And you can see his face like, mother. <laughs> there's nothing you could do about it. 
And there was some discussion where are we going to try to fix this or whatnot. And I was like, you know what? It is what it is. It's a moment of history. Yeah. I knew you would have some great stories. So thanks so much for doing this, man. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Stay sane, healthy, and well, and you know, whichever order you want to do that. (laughs) That's right. All right. I'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you. Be be well. Bye-bye. Well, that concludes our conversation with Josiah Gluck, episodes five and six, complete with New York sirens in the background. <laughs> Nothing like New York sounds. If you want to find out more about Josiah, go to josiahgluck.com and we'll put that website in the show notes. Hey, thanks again for joining us on the podcast. If you're not subscribed, go ahead and do that and tell your friends. And if you can leave a review, let us know that you're enjoying the podcast, that we'd really appreciate that. Until next time, be who you be and do what you do. Take care.